Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Intruder Theatre in the Making podcast. I'm your host, Remy Rahuban. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now in this episode, but also in the next episode, these will be two bonus episodes, I will be focusing on the crowdfunding campaign I did for my solo show. I did my campaign at the end of February, beginning of March of 2020, and I raised more than £8,000. In this episode, I would be giving some practical insights, advice, tips on doing crowdfunding campaign and in the next one I'll be talking about the preparation and the actual campaign and hopefully you'll get some kind of, um, you'll have some kind of a clearer idea of how it actually works because as you'll be able to tell a crowdfunding campaign is a 24-hour job. I mean, various people do it different ways and it's up to the people. I did it the way some of my friends did it and it really was a proper job. But I will tell you all about it and break down the whole process. Now, I don't have any visuals. I don't have a PowerPoint presentation, so it may be a little bit difficult, but I will do my utmost best to present it, to describe it to you as clearly as I can. So as I said in this episode, I'll be talking about some very practical things uh, maybe to bear in mind when you do a crowdfunder. So I'll be talking about why I did a crowdfunder, which platform to use, how much to ask for, when is the best time to do it, and how long should a crowdfunding campaign last. So why a crowdfunder? Now, this is a very interesting thing because, you know, when you think of a crowdfunding campaign, it's very terrifying, it's cringing, it's embarrassing. And this is how I felt. I was thinking, wow, I need to ask people for money. Right. But then I was thinking, well, it's for my play, it's for my project, so it's fine. And once uh, these doubts went away, it was fine. Just to give some kind of a background information on my project. So I wanted to raise money for my play, but I was also at the same time going for funding from Arts Council England. And I was asking them for £11,000. And uh, at the same time, I said to them that when I get their funding, I would do my crowdfunding campaign. Initially, I was thinking I would raise £3,000, but then I thought, you know what, since I'm going to do all the work, why don't I raise more? So I set up my target and it was £8,000. So why a crowdfunder? Now, when I was working on my solo piece, and that was quite a long period of time, about 11 years, I had my friends... Uh, support me and always encourage me to work on it. And when I finally completed it and I was working on the production and putting it on, I was thinking, how can I help my friends uh, support me? And that's when I thought of doing a crowdfunding campaign. So I thought, okay, maybe I can help my friends be part of my project. I can help my crowd of people become part of my project, hence crowdfunding. 
And I thought, well, since they're going to chip in and, uh, you know, uh, maybe give me uh, £10, £20, they can help me make my dreams come true and uh, they can be part of my project. So when I go and present it, uh, you know, across the UK or abroad, I will always know that it's also because of my friends uh, that are making my dreams come true. And whenever I go... I will be always taking my friends with me, not physically, but in some way I'll, I would know that, yes, my friends are with me because it's because of them I am here. So that was the main reason why I did a crowdfunder. Of course, I was aware of the fact that, you know, I would be raising money. So it was important, but it was mainly having that crowd of people, my friends with me when I was going to do my play. Now, which platform to use? That is, That was the question that I needed to answer when I was researching uh, various crowdfunding platforms. Now, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a background to how I came across uh, crowdfunding. So it was in 2011, I went to the Berlin Film Festival as they selected me for one of the acting programs. And over there, I met two filmmakers, um, Jonathan Wysocki, Wysocki, and Molly Gandor. We became friends and a couple of years later they were doing crowdfunding campaigns for the first feature films. And when they were doing their campaigns, I remember receiving loads of emails about it. Uh, before the campaign, during the campaign, after the campaign. So I remembered that it was quite a lot of work. I actually emailed them and I asked them, you know what, do you email people individually? And they said yes, which at that time seemed, wow, this is so much work. I mean, to send uh, personalized emails to everyone seemed like a lot of work. But as you'll be able to tell from my uh, descriptions, maybe the next episode, that's sort of how people do it. So I was receiving all these emails, but... At that time, and that was 2013, I was thinking, you know what, Remy, maybe save these emails because you never know, maybe you will have to do a crowdfunder at some point. It would be very, very useful for you to look at these emails and see how they did it, which I actually did. So when I was preparing for my crowdfunding campaign, I dug up those emails and saw that Jonathan and Molly did their crowdfunding campaigns on Indiegogo, but I still wanted to do some research into other crowdfunding platforms. I found out about two different methods of crowdfunding. The first one is All or Nothing, known as Fixed, and the other one is Flexible Funding, known as Keep What You Raise. And I'm just going to talk about them in a second. So there are platforms that offer only one method or both methods. So for example, Kickstarter, an American platform, offers only all or nothing, known as fixed. What that actually means is that let's say you set up a target of £3,000 and if you don't raise that amount of money, you don't get any money at all. So you raise only 2,000 instead of three. That means all the money goes to the people that gave you the money. That's it. Now, this method seemed too risky for me 
And I thought, you know what? I don't know. I'm raising or trying to raise eight thousand pounds, but if I don't do it,、uh, I won't get any money at all. So maybe I go for the other method. The other method, as I said, flexible funding. Keep what you raise.、Uh, that is offered by, for example, Indiegogo and Crowdfunder, which is a UK platform. Now, both Indiegogo and Crowdfunder offer all or nothing, but they also offer flexible funding. What that actually means, and I'm talking about flexible funding, if your target is three thousand pounds, and you only raise one thousand, you keep it. And that seemed、um, more reasonable to me, so I was definitely more drawn to this method, flexible funding, because it seemed less risky、uh, than the other one. And I actually didn't know whether I was going to succeed. I can understand why people go for all or nothing. It's risky, but、uh, I think people can give you more money because they know that if you don't raise that target, your project is not going to happen. Now, in my case, I didn't want to be as risky as the other method, so I went for、uh, flexible funding. Uh, and that was on Indiegogo. Now, please don't think that I'm promoting Indiegogo or any other platform. These are just two or three examples that I picked. It's really up to you what platform you go with. It really depends on the platform fees,、uh, on processing fees, on you know where your the people that are going to give you the money where they live,、uh, because it also depends on the rates, credit card rates. So it's really up to you which platform to use. If I was doing it again, I wouldn't be doing it on Indiegogo. I would probably be doing it on Crowdfunder, which is a UK-based platform.、Um, Indiegogo is an American platform. I had extra bank transfer fees,、uh, and just in general, platform fees、uh, were higher than in Crowdfunder. I am not really sure、uh, why didn't go with the Crowdfunder. I was checking the fees recently, and Crowdfunder seemed.、Um, Less expensive, but I'm talking about it. The rates now that is September 2021.、Uh, I know that they've changed the rates.、Uh, maybe in February of 2020, their rates were higher. But back in the day, I went with Indiegogo. I also think、uh, why I might have gone with Indiegogo because Indiegogo also offers another option, which is called. In-demand option. I am not particularly sure whether other platforms offer that. What that actually means is that when you reach your target, you can then extend your campaign. So, for example, you have a target of three thousand pounds, and you reach that target、uh, on Indiegogo. You can then extend. Your campaign can last longer. I don't know another month, another two months. I am not sure whether other platforms、um, use it. Another interesting thing: Indiegogo has an e-newsletter. 
I am not sure about other platforms. I presume they must have an e-newsletter. And Indiegogo every day was sending me info on other campaigns. Now I emailed them and I asked them to, you know, to maybe include my campaign in the newsletter. Uh, I hashtagged them in loads of uh, social media posts. They were never retweeted, reposted. I never heard from them. So I'm not sure if I would go with Indiegogo again. Now, the next thing I'm going to talk about is how much money to raise. Now, as I said, I wanted initially to raise £3,000. In the end, I went with £8,000 because I thought if I'm going to do all the work, maybe I can raise more money than needed. Now, you can do your budget and you can calculate how much money you need. I don't know, let's say for a research and development for a play. And you think, okay, so um, let me, let's raise £3,000. You calculate, okay, I'm going to pay this amount of money for venue hire. I'm going to pay the actors, the director and everyone. And you come up with the figure of £3,000. Now I'm going to focus on the fees that you need to pay to the platform. Because it's not that, you know, you're going to get £3,000. No, the platform is going to take money from you. So uh, I looked at Crowdfunder and they had a very nice slide with information. So for example, on Crowdfunder, as I said, each platform is different. But this will give you some kind of a rough idea of, you know, what you would normally get. On a donation of £100, uh, you would receive £93.84. So, for example, if I was raising £8,000, I would get £7,507. So, that taking about £500. So, when I look at my campaign and I raised uh, £8,110, I received from Indiegogo £7,339 that included a £50 uh, charge, uh, that was a bank charge. On top of that, I needed to spend £60 on one of the perks, which was sending postcards to my backers. We will be talking about perks in the next episode, but uh, one of my perks was sending a postcard to my backers and £60 was, you know, the cost of printing the postcards and actually buying stamps. So I also included it as part of the cost. So as I said, uh, from £8,110, the amount that I raised, I got the net profit was 7269 So we are talking about £800-£900 that was already taken from the money that I raised. So this is just to give you some kind of a rough idea of how much money you uh, you may get 
Of course, if you raise uh, three thousand pounds, you you know the charges wouldn't be as high, but um, but this is something to bear in mind. So, for example, if you have a project and you, you do your budget, and let's say, okay, you need three thousand pounds, this is not the amount of money you're going to get. So, I would always say, if you have a particular amount of money in mind. Uh, aim higher, aim for more. Maybe instead of going for three thousand pounds, go for four thousand pounds, because of all these costs. And the other thing is, to be quite honest, it's always good to have more money, especially for the arts, than less money. So this is a rough breakdown of fees uh, and costs. That you may incur when you do your campaign, but as I said, each platform is different. Each platform has different costs. I know that uh, some, if not all,、uh, platforms have a special website where they compare various platforms and the costs of each platform. So it's always good to have a look at that. Now, the next thing I'd like to focus on is. When do I do my crowdfunder? When is the best time to do it? Is it May, June, November, January? Now this is a very interesting thing to be quite honest. So when I was doing, when I was preparing for my campaign, I asked a few people, and some of them said, "You know what, Remy? It doesn't really matter when you do your campaign. You can do it any time during the year," which was great. But then I thought of it, and I thought, okay. When would I be less likely to support someone? And I thought, you know what, I wouldn't be. Maybe I wouldn't be giving、uh, as much money as I could to someone in December or January because it's Christmas and I'm going away, so I have more expenditures. So I thought I wouldn't be doing it in December, January. Um, I also thought maybe Easter is not the best time because people go away. Summer time, I am not particularly sure. Maybe yes, maybe no. As I said, I did my crowdfunder at the end of February, beginning of March.、Uh, it was also to do with the fact that the funding from the Arts Council England came、uh, at the end of January, so I had to do it in February. If I hadn't been pressured to do my crowdfunder, then would I do it at the same time? Probably yes.、Uh, maybe I would do it、um, May, June,、uh, maybe even end of September, October. But I definitely wouldn't be doing it December, January. I think the rest of the year it's fine. Maybe thinking twice whether Easter and summer, as I said, is a good time because people go away. One other thing that came about when I was doing my crowdfunder, or actually when I did my crowdfunder, it、uh, it became apparent was the fact that I did my crowdfunder. Uh, before the end of the tax year, now in the UK,、um, the tax year finishes at the beginning of April,、uh, not at the end of December, at the beginning of April. So then, from the sixth of April, we've got the new tax year. Now, what that actually means、um, is you need to declare it as your income. 
This is what um, the tax office in the UK told me. I did speak to them and they didn't know anything about crowdfunding. They actually didn't know what it was. But of course, they told me you need to declare it as income because actually that's their job to tell you this. Uh, but then when I did some research on it, everyone said, all the blogs said, well, it's income and you need to declare it. So whatever you raise, that needs to be declared. Now, as I was saying, things get a bit complicated if you do it at the end of the tax year because you declare it as income and then what? You can't do your project until the next tax year. So possibly you would need to pay tax on it. Now, I'm only talking about it from my point of view because I do my own accounts and I know that if I do it one tax year and then the project happens the next tax year, that is a bit complicated. Now, if I was to give someone some kind of a device, I would always say, maybe bear in mind doing it in the same tax year. So, for example, you do your crowdfunder in October for the project to take place in January. Why? Because you raise all the money, you declare it as your income, and then when the project takes place, you set off the costs against your income. And by the end of the tax year, you have nil, nothing, no income at all. While when you do it the other way around, raising money at the end of the tax year, then your income goes up, you need to declare it, potentially uh, pay tax on your project, and then do your project the next tax year, and it gets tricky. So it's up to people, but from my point of view, it's always good from that accounting point of view to do it in the same tax year. This is my take on it. And the final question is, how long should it last? Should it be one day, two days, two weeks, uh, four months? Um, well, crowdfunding campaign should be relatively short. Uh, my campaign was for 17 days. Uh, Jonathan's campaign was for 25 days. Uh, it's really up to you how much money you're trying to raise. It could be for a week. It could be for two weeks. Uh, the most important thing is that you're trying to um, build up that momentum and keep it going. Uh, have that urgency for your project why you're trying to raise the money. Uh, and, you know, if you have less time, then you can communicate with your backers and they can give you the money quickly. So it's really up to you, but it shouldn't be very, very long. Uh, not like, you know, two months. Although I know that there are campaigns that last for two months. Now I start my campaign on a Monday and finished on a Friday. So 17 days, two and a half weeks. Um, someone may be asking why. Well, it's interesting because uh, that's to do with uh, backer's behavior, to be quite honest. Uh, I was told that it's always good to kick off a campaign on a weekday uh, because during the weekend, people go away and nobody checks emails. And that actually is true because when I look back at my campaign, most of my contributions, if not all of them, came on a weekday. 
not a lot of them came uh, during the weekend. And the other thing that's very, very interesting is, someone told me as well, that people like to get distracted at work. That's where they're going to pay you money. Because, you know, an email comes, they want to check it. Instead of doing something at work, they want to check their phone. And yeah, that that was interesting as well. So, so yeah, some insight into backers' behavior, to be quite honest. But we'll talk about it more in the next episode. So this is it for episode 25 of Intruder Theatre in the Making podcast. I hope you found it useful, helpful, uh, a bit eye-opening um, how crowdfunding works. And in the next episode, I will be focusing on the preparation for my campaign and the actual campaign, what I did and how I raised and how I increased my chances of reaching my goal because this is what I think crowdfunding is all about. So until then, stay well, stay safe and I'll speak to you next time. Bye for now.